Hello everyone, Sandra Meehan here from Vino and Chat and tonight we have the amazing Carolyn King. Now, Carolyn is a happily married mother of two children. She's a dance mum, a soccer mum and she is also a mum to two very cheeky huskies. One of her favourite things to do is to chat about spirituality and, and other worldly things over a glass of vino, hence why she's on the show, of course and a platter filled of delicious cheeses. Now, that's pretty good, um, of um, pate and dips. She also loves to learn about different healing modalities, ancient cultures, and anything that is space-related. Space-related, oh, there's a little bit of a topic we might be able to get into tonight. And she's passionate about helping individuals find their happiness and become empowered happiness beings. But more importantly tonight, Carolyn is going to talk about a burnout. Burnout and stress, overcoming burnout and stress and burnout is a hot topic in society today and many of us get to that point. I've been in burnout myself. It took me two years to get over, to overcome burnout with adrenal fatigue and I welcome tonight to the show and please welcome Tribe, Carolyn King. She will come up in a minute. There you are. Welcome Hello, everyone. Hey, Sandra. Thanks for having me here today. You're welcome. You're welcome. So, space related. <laughs> Both the science and the non-science. I love science fiction. I love looking at the stars. I have a telescope, so I do like the science of it, but I also do like you know, anything alien related. So I sort of swing both ways when it comes to the space space stuff. You swing both ways. <laughs> All right. Okay. So um, I'm going to start the night off tonight with what is one book that you've read that has changed your life? Ooh. Holographic Universe. The Holographic Universe by Michael Talbot. And can you tell the viewers a little bit about that? Sure. So it's a book uh, that's... It, Combine science and spirituality. So it sort of gives you a scientific viewpoint of spirituality, but the whole idea of the book is that the universe is a hologram. So every part of the universe is in every part. So it's a great book. I think it's a little bit in depth for me. But, in depth. <laughs> but, you know, I might read it and, and, and check it out. You know, you, you never know. And, and I think that something like that is when you, if you're in, into that, you're into it. And if you're not, you're not. Um, but yeah, I, I, I used to work with a, um, have a business partner who was very much into that and she did get me to read a few books and I did find them quite interesting on that, um, that, that, that subject and, and that. So tonight we're talking about burnout and stress. Now, yeah, I've known you for, uh, for a few years. We, we met through a, in a coaching, um, group that we were in working with a particular coach. And um, I think at that time you were fairly close to burnout then or going through it or just coming through it. So what got you to burnout? I think it was it was the, the final realisation when, was when I physically couldn't drive to work. So I had been building up to it for a while and it, it probably did take a few years to really get to the to the depths of that burnout. But what happened was there was a Monday morning where I was doing some work um, it was month end again. I was an, I'm an accountant or was an accountant in corporate and something had gone wrong and I just lost it. I lost my shit. I couldn't handle it anymore. 
And I walked out and the next day when I went to go to work, I dropped the kids off at school, got to the roundabout and I, with the intention of turning left to go to work and my body's going, you're not going to work today. Um, it, I just crashed. My mind's gone, no, you're not. And I went the other way. But it was all a result of just being bombarded with all this inf uh, pressure from a boss that wasn't supportive and also, I think the biggest thing was I had my business on one side and I had the, the corporate on the other and there was this big divide happening where I used to love my job in, in accounting but then I found my passion and as I worked in my passion more, I loved my accounting less and the divide got greater and greater till I basically, I guess the universe forced me to make a decision. Wow. No, I, I, I know I've got a corporate background and it's... It's sometimes it's hard to think that you can have two, you can be working in two different areas. So basically I would interpret that is that you had what we would call today one foot in 3D and one foot in, in, in 5D but and a conflict of um, not just the way things were done but a conflict of heart because the corporate world's full very much with ego and rules and it's money, money, money and the, the other side is very much heart-based service and money flows. Absolutely. And it was, I think for me, it was even compounded by the fact that my boss was very disconnected as well. He was quite a, he would say that he was quite heartfelt, but his actions weren't that way inclined. And I had an ex-employee point out to me once, and he said to me, you know, you're a different person to who you are on Facebook to who you are in the office. And that really hit me because I thought I'm trying to be, I'm, I'm growing into this new person, this happy a helpful person but I couldn't be that same person in my job and for so long I thought that my learning in life was that I had to become this calm happy person in work whereas I've now learned the lesson was that I had to walk away that it was no longer for me I was I was torturing myself trying to be this person in a place that just didn't resonate with me anymore yeah and I think that's really important authenticity is really is, is really important because we um once we're once we're being that authentic, our authentic selves, it doesn't matter where we are. We're just being who we are. And I'd recently had my mother stay with me for um, from the 20th, 20th of December to the thirty first of January, and it's the first time that I actually did Sandra for that whole amount of time. I didn't. I, I couldn't be anybody else except myself because I'd been doing me for so long. So and not only would you the burnout wouldn't have this how long were you in that job for <laughs> i had actually a total of 21 years but i'd been there for four years left and then come back so i'd been there for 17 years in that stint so i was very comfortable in the job it paid very well financially um it was secure you know my daughter was just about to go into high school and that's not cheap our washing machine broke down we had all these financial obligations so that was compounding that whole decision of do I quit or don't I, but I had to do it. So, yeah. Good on you. I <laughs> give you kudos for that. So um, how did, like, we've, we've sort of gone towards that, you said, but how did you know that you were heading towards burnout? You, you Like the day that you were, that you got to that point where you, but there must have been some signs that we can you can share with our viewers so they might be able to recognise that they're heading towards burnout rather than be in denial. Absolutely. So for me, it was 
a constant agitation or anger. So I was really quick to get pissed off at people, whether it was my kids, whether it was someone at work. So I literally had no patience that it all sort of disappeared. And I would try so hard to be patient, but I just couldn't. I was just constantly in a, in a bad mood. And I would hate Sunday nights because I was going to a job on a, on a, the Monday, which I didn't like. I wasn't sleeping well. I was binge eating more. I, I guess I just wanted to pull away from everyone and pull the covers over my head and not deal with the world. But it was different from depression. It was, it was more like just don't talk to me. I need to get my head to stop for yeah. a minute. And, and then I, yeah, so I guess it flowed from there. And the physical, for me, the physicalness of it was I would get numb. There would be a numbness in my face and in my head and in my body and I couldn't think anymore. I couldn't articulate. I couldn't use my words. Wow. So would you, like, I know that you've also had a history, well, we can do that on another on another show, with depression. So how did you recognise the difference between depression and burnout? What's the difference? For me, it was depression. I didn't want to be here anymore. I literally wanted out. I wanted out of this lifetime and I wanted to be gone. Whereas the burnout was more, um, I, I still wanted to be here, as in in life. I just didn't want to be in that job. And the physical feelings were different. It was, it was literally like my body was shaking with the burnout. My body was shaking with stress, whereas... Mm. The depression, it was probably more numb. I was probably out of body already. So there was a distinct difference for me in that way. Yeah, I, I, I totally understand that. So when you're um, towards burnout and getting towards there, would you say that financial stress and everything like that accumulated around that and you put unnecessary, knowing what you know now, uh, that things will just work out, unnecessary stress on yourself or expectations of yourself? Absolutely. And that lack of trust that I had the ability to do what I needed to do and to make it work and that the universe would support me as long as I did the work. I wasn't going to sit back and do nothing, but that that trust in myself was probably the biggest thing that I didn't have before that I have now. So you weren't going to sit back and go, oh, universe, provide. <laughs> It'd be no. lovely, but no, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> I just had to throw that in and those that, those that follow me know that um, how much I am. Um, I don't particularly go down that, um, that that track. So what do you think contributed to your burnout other than your financial stress? I think it was, as I mentioned, the boss was, um, he was very incongruent with who, what he, who he said he was to who he acted like and also to who I was. Um, I'd been there 17 years, so I felt a real loyalty to the company and they were going through changes. They had just been bought out by a Japanese company. So the pressure on me was getting greater and greater. So to me, it really was all work-related and financial-related. And like as I mentioned, the compounding disconnect with the, the fact that I was no longer that person, that I had this love over the other side of, you know, helping clients. And I would just, when I would help someone, I'd be on a high, but when I'd come home from work, I'd be, you know, um, lacking in energy and, and cranky and the kids would cop it or I just wasn't happy. So... All those factors compounded it. Yeah, I, I know myself when I was in corporate and I was just, it was before I, um, I had my corporate job and my marriage 
um, get pulled out from underneath me. Well, I pulled the marriage out, but my court, corporate job within a matter of a couple of days. But leading up to that, I think I actually manifested it, um, the, the job going because I wasn't happy in it myself because you just there's no joy in there, there's no passion in there. And for me, um, it was a matter of learning that if, if it doesn't set your heart on fire, then you just you are numb and I know myself in, in, in those in those years as much as I liked the money and the money was great. I mean, it was really good. Yes. But, you know, we all like it and we're all driven um, in that ego state and I think we, we keep going and we keep pushing ourselves because we're in that ego and we want more and more of the money and it controls us. It takes our power. It does, and it's easy to work for somebody else. It's so much easier to just go to work, do the job, and come home than it is to run your own business because there's so many other factors you need to consider and your mindset and all that other stuff. So, you know, when you're cranky and you've got a corporate job, you can sort of push yourself to go to the work, to go to work and do it. But when you're cranky and you run your own business, the mindset kicks in and you really have to push yourself. But there's no one there uh, holding you accountable, I guess, to get all that stuff done. So there's a def definite difference. Awesome. Um, so, Jeff, other than what have, have you have, have you worked with anybody else that's that's done burnout? Did it physically affect you? Actually, I'm going to change that. Did it physically affect your body? Did you get to adrenal fatigue? I probably didn't get as bad as adrenal fatigue. I think I was heading towards adrenal fatigue. What I have found out recently, uh, towards the end of last year, was that I've been diagnosed with an autoimmune issue. And I do strongly believe that that was a, as a result of all the stress I was under. And, and that's fine. I don't um, hang on to labels of diagnosis. I'll work through that. But I do believe that I put my body under so much stress that it affected my immune system. And, yeah, and I guess for me it was that lack of um, energy that lasted for so long because I know adrenal fatigue can take a long time to recover from. So I think I was bordering on it, but I don't think I quite hit it. But that mindset of hating Sundays, that lasted from, it was probably four or five months after I'd left my job that I still hated Sundays. So it really did, it was like it was ingrained in me, that stress, it was stuck in me. Yeah, uh, adrenal fatigue, it took me two years to get over it. And um, I actually, mine wasn't from my corporate job, but it was actually, I burnt out in my passion job. <laughs> because I put so much into it and kept going and going and going to, that I lost my passion um, and, and became burnt out and I had to slow everything and back everything off and it took 18 months for it, for that energy to come back and for that desire that I had um, to truly come back, even though I was still passionate, but it wasn't, it wasn't there. It was still an effort. I had to actually manage my time and my energy so I didn't go didn't didn't go flat whereas 2020 now it's just like I've hit the ground running and shoom, Sandra's off um, and going and that's how I see you and a lot of things that you're doing is that you're sort of like hitting the ground running and and managing it at such a such a point where you won't burn out and so how would you manage that in your own business that you don't burn out it's learning I think I had to learn early on to to say no to things that didn't resonate with me, uh, learning to turn social media off, you know, my phone, my iPad, all that off maybe at 8 o'clock some nights because I know I would get messages from people for different reasons. Um, 
so the main thing I think was, yeah, having an early night, just listening to my body. I think the main thing is listening to my body, knowing that if I start to get tired, do I need that early night? And eight o'clock is an early night for me, but if I need it, I will do it. Um, having a nice bath, meditating. I'm a big meditator. I love meditating. And if I need to, going out and getting my own healing done by, you know, a healer around here. Awesome. So what was the real turning point that really sort of um, that where you've you set boundaries and, and that I know we've sort of discussed about about the roundabout and everything, but but sometimes when we get to burnout, we don't. It's because we don't have boundaries set up, and we're not in our power. We're not in our own power, so we just give, 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 and we don't know how not to say um, no. I, I'm not going to do that, or you know, we because because we're in fear. And that fear may be because we're going to lose our job or whatever and then the world's going to come crashing down. So what was the turning point for you that you just went, you know what, I can do this? I think it was that day at the roundabout. But what was interesting is I gave four weeks notice as I needed to and I was asked, can you answer questions after you leave, which I did. But there was one particular day, I think I'd been gone about three weeks and I had three or four phone calls from the person that replaced me. And at that point I thought, I'm not answering your phone anymore. I'm done. You're not paying me for this. And that was my turning point. That was when I said, I don't need you. Because I'd always thought I might have them as a backup. I sort of thought, hey, maybe I could do a few hours here and there. And that was my turning point. I thought, no, this doesn't resonate with me anymore. That's it. I'm not going in. I'm not answering any more phone calls. I'm done. And yeah, that, that was the turning point. And that's when I started to learn that I had to trust myself. And I did. I just, like I said, I threw myself into it and I've learned along the way, as we always do. And how did that make you feel? How did that, how did you feel? Excuse me, I've just got to move the cat. She's scratching something. <laughs> um, how, how did that make you feel? What did, you, what did it feel like to just say, no, enough's enough? Definitely empowering. I took my power back. I felt, and, like, yeah, it was my life again, my time. Is that where you got the name for your business? No, no, that came about um, as a result of my book that I wrote uh, back, back in 2014. Um, I called my book Empowered Happiness and I just really liked it and so I called my business the same thing. Awesome. So how did you navigate and what did you use to, to get yourself out of, out of that? What healing modalities did you use? How did you navigate your way out? What was your, I won't say course, your course of your action or plan because there is no plan you sort of when you're in that state it's just like oh, there's, there's a light at the end of the tunnel down there somewhere but um what did you use how did you get out of it well it was my kinesiologist that had said something um that day that i could i turned around at the roundabout i actually got in to see my kinesiologist and she said something to me which she says she didn't say in these words but the way i heard her was if you don't quit your job the stress will kill you and because I, I kept having this argument about um, money and, you know, money and stress. And she said, you don't need the money. You need to be a mum to your kids. And so I continued on with her. So I had quite a few kinesiology sessions. I also do my own meditations. And I just went to a few Reiki sessions. So it was really probably kinesiology, Reiki and meditations that helped me through. So is were you a kinesiologist at that time? Yes, Yes, I'd, I'd actually forgotten that I could go to a kinesiologist. I was actually blessed that um, that particular Tuesday when I, I 
the roundabout day, I rang my doctor to get in to see her and you can never get in to see her and I got in at 9.30 and she was sitting there and she's going, do you want to see a counsellor? Do you want to see a psychologist? And I'm going, no, no, no. She goes, why don't you go see a kinesiologist? And I looked at her and I thought, I was in such a state I didn't even consider seeing a kinesiologist, even though I am a kinesiologist. That's how lost I was. And I'm thankful that she had heard me enough times say that I was a kinesiologist that she remembered that and, and told me to go see mine. So, yeah, so, yes, I am a kinesiologist, but at the time I had, it wasn't even in my awareness. <laughs> yeah, I think we all get lost in that and we forget what we've actually got around us because we're, we're in it and we don't understand. So while you're going through all of this, how did it affect your kids and how did it affect your marriage? Um, I'm lucky because my husband has always been more than supportive of any of my decisions. Um, so in terms of my marriage and my kids, it actually, I think the minute I quit my job and was no longer there, I relaxed. I was no longer highly strung. And I have to say now, two years down the track, that one of my favourite things, and both my kids are in high school now, but one of my favourite things is to be able to drive them to school, pick them up from school, take them to the after-school activities and just spend that time with them. And I feel so blessed that I can do that now because I can manage my time around making sure I'm there for them. Yeah. So they got a better version of me instantly pretty much. I know I had to still recover from the burnout, but once that job was gone, it's like a layer just shed off me. That anger sort of disappeared. So what's it like being a dance mum? I'm going to change the subject and throw something different in here. And why I'm saying this, you know, there's, there's all this um, stuff we hear about dancing and dance mums and that. So what sort of a dance mum are you? Look, I was a netballer, so this whole dance stuff is new to me. Um, I still remember my daughter saying, I want to do comps, mum. And I'm looking at her going, you're not doing comps. What are you talking about? Until the teacher came out and said, no, no, she's doing hip hop. Like, okay. Um, look, I think I've, I've learned along the way and she's she's a real performer. So not only has she been in hip hop cruise, which is one type of dance, mum, she's then decided to do solo um, comps in tap and hip hop. So then that's a bit lonelier than a normal dance, mum. You know, when you've got a crew, at least you've got other mums to hang out with. She's also now decided to do theatre, so I'm a theatre mum as well, so I have to go to all the theatres, and she's a singer. So I'm the kind of dance mum that just tries to go along. I don't get too upset if she doesn't win. I have to say watching her strength on stage when she doesn't win, it's actually been inspiring for me to see how strong she is. She's so much stronger than I ever was, so I actually really admire her. So. I probably, I'm probably in awe and admiration of my daughter and everything she does. So how would you manage her not getting burnt out doing too much dance? Now, we have had to keep an eye on that because a couple of times she has actually just fainted. She's the kind of kid that doesn't let stuff out so much. So she's headed into year nine now and we manage it by constantly talking to her and listening to her. And she did really well in year seven with her academics Last year she dropped off a little bit, but she still did well. And when I say dropped off, she got an academic award in Year 7 and she did last year, so she still did, still did well. Um, I think we just monitor her energy and how she's behaving, her, her moods, and we have a, an open conversation and dialogue. And we've explained to her that she can't do everything because she was at one stage doing 10 classes a week. Um, and when she was younger, it was great. And I honestly think 
having a hobby outside of school is great for teenagers because it gives them another group of friends they can have that aren't involved in the school. So I think there's all these benefits and it's also it's brought in a resilience and a, a sense of um, strength and courage that she's now able to talk in front of assembly and all those sort of things and she's she's arts captain this year and I do think that's because of all the work she's done in her dancing. So, yeah, I, I think we just manage it. We just talk to her, we keep the dialogue open and we just watch how she's going with her energy. So I'm going to ask now that we've got we've, we've sort of gone off and you're like, I didn't know she was going to go down this track. <laughs> Do you think that your daughter may have been like do, do, do because that was a pattern that never went off for you in business when you were at work? And No, I, no, she's different to me. My son would be more inclined to copy what I do. and But, no, I think she is her own person. She always has been. I understand what you're asking me. Yeah. Um, I actually haven't thought of it from that point of view. I, I do think that running my own business inspires my kids to know that they can be outside the mould. So I'm hoping that what I do shows them that they don't have to have that nine-to-five job or they don't have to go down that normal path. They can do what they want to do. But, look, there may be a bit of that in there, I guess. I'm just, as I'm talking, I'm just thinking about it. There may be a little bit in there that she feels like she has to do a lot, but... Yeah, I guess I guess I have to think about that one. <laughs> no, so, no why, why I'm asking that is that um, I very much have um, a lot of our, as you know, I'm in business with my own daughter and a lot of my traits that I was when I was in corporate and my own self-worth and my own self-esteem and things that happened and led to my burnout, she picked up on and she became that and, and, and it was like a cycle was repeating itself. So that's why I'm, I'm, I'm asking yeah. that. So do you think the cycle, whatever it was or for whatever it is, it, it's, it, 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 you've broken that, that, that pattern? I absolutely have. I think my daughter is so much more resilient than I ever was. She's a different person to me. Um, I think she always has been. But, I, yeah, I think the cycle's definitely broken. Absolutely. And it's, it's really important um, to do that. So... When we, I'm just getting up to the next question. How long did it take for you to get come out of it? I think to feel like you'd overcome the burnout and stress. I think it was about the uh, five to six month mark when I had that realization about not hating Sundays anymore. Um, I remember driving home from one of my daughter's rehearsals, and I said to my sister-in-law, "God, I hate Sundays." I'm like, "Hang on a minute, no, I don't." So that was the awareness that I, that I started to release that stress and that burnout. So it probably was about five to six months where it took me, I was easy on myself. I didn't sort of um, hammer the business. I sort of took it easy. I had that little bit of a buffer from the, you know, the payout of leaving. And, yeah, it was about six months, I would say. Awesome. So not as long as what a lot of other people would take. Sorry? Not as long as what some take. So you're yeah. a fast learner. Yeah, well, I would say only because I had already worked through my depression. So I had a lot of tools there that I really leaned into because the depression took me a lot longer. So I think because I'd already been through a mental health issue, those tools were there and I could sort of jump straight into that and know that it was okay to allow myself the time I needed without trying to force it. So, and that's that's a great thing that you just mentioned there, the um, mental health issue. And people wouldn't see burnout as a mental health issue, but it is. Absolutely. And how, um, and with it being a mental, like you said, so much in your head, 
what is your what do you do now and i know you've mentioned meditation is that your number one go-to to clear your head out now and writing i do like to write so if something's stressing me out i will write as if i'm writing a blog or an article but it's not an article or blog that will ever get released it's just my way of processing stuff so i'm a big writer um, if i'm not meditating i'm writing and otherwise it's a nice bath with a, a good book that is fiction because if I'm reading something non-fiction, I'm, I'm constantly thinking, you know, how can this improve me and my well-being? And sometimes I just want to write, read a trashy fiction book to just let me go off on a journey and not think. Yeah, sometimes I pick up a trashy magazine when I'm in a supermarket and I just go, oh, yeah, read that. Yep. Um, yeah, I understand what, because we can get so tied up in we must keep improving ourselves and improving ourselves that we forget that it's okay to read a trashy novel. It's okay to read a comic or watch a bit of TV and um dip into that and to to zone out i think it's really important that we don't and especially with the industry that we work in people expect us to know this and be doing this and we ever ever get in in into our heads i know i've been caught there before is i've got to keep up and keep up and keep up but in the end you just got to be yourself and just take bits and pieces otherwise we're just being um conference junkies absolutely and you know what I love? Sometimes I could be watching, you know, I, I binge watch Netflix. Sometimes I could be watching one of those shows and the best quote or the best thing will come out of it. And I'm not even watching it to learn, but something will be said and I'll go, wow, that was really powerful. Let me write that down. And so some of that stuff, the trashy stuff, because I'm in another world, I get, I guess it actually influences my creativity. It improves my creativity as well because I'm not thinking. I'm back in that right brain just relaxing and letting stuff flow and not just allowing it to come yeah i i know i was watching something on netflix um and it was some movie and it was about um a whole different people and the, the different sexualities and what went on and stuff like that and i'm watching this going what bubble do i live in but i was glued to it it was just like Oh, and my whole head just went to a whole nother place. But what it gave me by watching this trashy stuff, a total understanding of like, oh, yeah, I understand that now. And and, and, a, and a different opinion and a different view on um, what I had before. But my favourite um, Netflix show is um, Virgin Jane the Virgin. I haven't watched that. <laughs> I just finished watching Anne with an E because I was reliving my youth. I loved Anne of Green Gables when I was younger. So I just rewatched it. But my, I, I like that. But my number one, I'd have to say, my, the best show I like is Frankie and Grace. So I haven't got into that either. I have to go and watch that. I've heard about it. I love it. I love it. I think Jane Fonda and. Um, I can't think of a name. They're just they're just awesome. I yeah, if I want to have a good laugh, I watch it. I can see me in my old age doing something like that. Um, so what what I'm going to ask you now is, or we may have already touched there, is there any long term effects around burnout and stress? I think there are if we don't fully allow ourselves to heal afterwards. And and like you said, there's adrenal fatigue, and if we don't deal with that. We can, um, I, I think there could be also autoimmune issues when then, and with autoimmune, that branches off into so many different areas. I have a lot of clients with fibromyalgia and um, and anything else autoimmune related, and they're a lot harder or a lot more difficult to heal. So 
absolutely, I do believe that there are long-term effects of stress. I do know with myself that um, years ago, so before the burnout, I've always probably been prone to stress. I ended up with some grey patches on my hair and I'd have this grey patch and that was my long-term effect because it never the colour never came back and I had a constant grey streak in my hair. <laughs> they'd, they'd call that trendy these days. <laughs> this is why I go blonde now with a bit of purple, but the purple's <laughs> faded at the moment. I have to get repurpleized. <laughs> so, Carolyn, would you say that um, because you've been through this, that you can and and I know that you you, you share your story with your with your clients because I've you know I've I've known you and I've followed you on different um, podcasts and interviews that you've done because you're vulnerable and you share what you've been through that you have a greater connection with the clients that come to you because you're one authentic real and raw yes i um i can honestly feel what they're going through so i know that changes aren't always easy to make and someone that hasn't gone through it can easily say well just snap out of it change do this do that you know change your job quit your job but it's not that easy when you're in the middle of whatever it is. We have to take all aspects into consideration. And absolutely, I think I connect with them on a level of understanding that other people that haven't gone through it wouldn't understand, wouldn't get. So you, you share your journey with your clients? Yes, I do. Absolutely. And how has that helped you build um, trust um, with the people that you talk to because you're so open and honest and, and you just and you're just who you are when you talk to them whether you're on social media or whether you're talking on radio workshop or whatever you just openly share it how did, how, how has that helped build um, authentic um, trust and I, I suppose a, um, a following I think it's just knowing that when you get me, I'm a real person and I have issues and I have stuff that goes wrong. And I, I recently had a client who said to me, I said something about coffee and she said, you drink coffee? I said, I drink coffee. And my, my kinesiologist told me I need to give up coffee, but I love my coffee and I'm not giving it up. And she looked at me, she goes, oh, that's so good to know. I don't have to be perfect. I go, no, you don't have to be perfect. You take on board what works for you. I've now learned to have a glass of water before my coffee but I still have my coffee because I love it. So I think it just adds an element of um, humanness because we all have good and bad days. We all stuff up and make mistakes. And especially in some of my meditation classes, they get to see me working through my own processes. So they know that what I teach, I also implement in my own life, that I'm not hard on myself. When, when things go wrong, you know, I sort of either, depending on how I'm feeling, I might get angry at the universe or I might laugh with the universe. just depends on what mood I'm in. But I'm usually aware of where I'm at. And I share all of that because we're all on this same journey and we're all learning. Yeah, for me, it was um, saying fucking shit. That's what got my... Because that's, I mean, that's just who I am. And, you know, people are just like, oh, you swear? And I'm like, yeah, so? And I like to have a drink, hence the show, Vino and Chat with Sandra, because that's who I am. That is, that's, 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 that's me. And um, why, why not be just who, who you are? And yeah, you know, I, I, and it's really important because it stops us from that burnout. It keeps us real. It keeps us, keeps us grounded. And, and it keeps that connection to be able to help the next person that's going through whatever it is that we've been through. And it takes so much energy to not be real. I think it's easier to be real because you just, you don't have to think about what you're saying. It just comes out. Whereas if you're trying to be somebody else, it takes too much. It would tire me out in two minutes. I couldn't do it. I, 
I have to be who I am all the time because I just, I don't think I'm a very good actress. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I asked you that was, why, why I went down that track, was that's probably led to the burnout in your accountant job because you couldn't be who you were. Absolutely. Too much of your energy. Absolutely. It was taking so much energy to do a job that I was no longer passionate about and fighting an uphill battle. And I felt like I was fighting all the time and that fight was what burnt me out in the end. And that can happen in marriages. It can happen in, in anything where you get to, to, to burn out. It's not necessarily um, a, a job, J-O-B, whatever you want to call it. It can be business. It can be um, sport. It can be anything. People get to that. So um, as we go through this, what would you say the most things that people come to you with burnout issues about? Is it job or...? Look, it's probably a combination of job and relationships. And I guess the other one is family dynamics. It's interesting as adults, we still have, uh, a lot of us have issues with our parents or our brothers and sisters, but we're adults. So there can be a burnout component there because we're trying so hard to either live up to their expectation or feel like we fit in with our extended family rather than honouring who we've become as an adult. So that's probably another place I've seen a lot of issues come up as well. Yeah, it always comes always comes back to our our, our childhood, and um, I know in my my own work with um, unlocking the powerful you, it always comes back to the childhood. Ninety percent of our issues are in they stem from from childhood, which is really really powerful. So having said that, for parents that are watching, for those that are that are that are parents, mum and dads tonight, what would be your advice? And I know this isn't a question that we had. <laughs> Um, so what would be your advice to those that are bringing up children today to ensure that their kids don't go through what we've been through as children and now adults? I think the first thing to remember is you're doing a good job. I see clients that are so hell-bent on reading those books about perfect parenting, throw them all in the bin and just be there for your child. Listen to what they say. The biggest thing we can do for our kids is be there. You know, whether it's um, watching, hugging them on the couch while we watch a movie or when we're driving them around, some of the best conversations with my kids are actually not on the way home from school, but when I'm driving them to their activities. So quite often on the way home from school, they're a bit spent and tired, but give them an hour and then we're out in the car again. That's when I get the stories of what's going on. So it's, it's listening to them, watching them, and just being there for them and being honest with them. They just want honesty. They don't need the perfect parent. They, you know, they know that we're, they need to know that as parents, we make mistakes as well. So it's just being you. Yeah, and I, and I think we're so, we're so often we're not us as as mothers, and and I, and I know as especially as mothers, um, we try and be everything for everybody, and we take on that 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 martyr role. And yep. even for, for, for women who who don't hold a job that are full time mums, um, I believe it's really important that they take time for themselves. Do you see any full like work with mothers? that aren't in the workforce, that, that are in that burnt out because they've got kids and they're trying to juggle everything and it's just smashed their self-esteem. Absolutely. I've got a few clients that are older and so their kids, they've been that at-home mum, the kids now long, no longer need them and they get to a point where they're burnt out and they're lost because they don't know, they've never had anything other than their kids. And so I've had a few clients where I've helped them through rediscovering who they are because of that, when I've got the mums that have younger kids, I'm constantly 
um, sharing with them that it's in it's important for them to find their, their 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 own me time to figure out who they are so they don't lose that part of themselves because their kids aren't going to need them forever. So it is a constant battle of making sure you're there for your kids, but also making sure you have time for yourself. And that's showing your kids it's okay to have me time. And that's really important. And do you get many dads come in? I do. I do get quite a few dads. I think men resonate with it quite well because it, because kinesiology is quite physical in terms of the muscle testing. So, yeah, I do. And um, do you find dads get to a lot of burnout with, with wanting to be the perfect dad and their corporate jobs or their tradies or and, and yeah. providing for everybody? Yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot more anger. I found with the dads that I've got, there's a lot more anger release that I work through in helping them release the, the pent-up frustrations, and that's from burnout as well, trying to be that perfect person for everybody, being the provider for their partner if they've got a partner, being the, you know, the best dad they can, and also being the best corporate person uh, or tradie that they can be. So, yeah, absolutely. So, so with kinesiology, I'm a kinesiologist, but I'm going to ask you, with kinesiology, how... Does kinesiology help with anger? Uh, well, it's getting to the core of where the anger is sitting in the body, uh, using pressure points to release the anger and figuring out the best way to release the anger as, as a home reinforcement. So there's only so much I can do in the clinic, but I give them homework when they leave. And I don't know if it's a real therapy. I don't know if I heard this summer or made it up because I read so much, but I do have uh, something called swear therapy where you walk around and you literally just, you know, fuck, 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 fuck. No, I'd be right in that. <laughs> so I'm not sure where, whether I made, like I said, you know when you read so much you don't know where it came from. Um, so, yeah, kinesiology helps us figure out what's causing the anger because we can get angry and get so caught up in the anger that we don't know what aspect of our life is it. Is it because we're not taking time out? Is it because I hate my job? Is it because I feel that I'm being taken advantage of? Is it I'm not getting enough time with my kids? Whatever it is, kinesiology helps us hone in on that so that we can then help to change the lives so that the anger eventually dissipates. Awesome. So what made you become a kinesiologist? Ah, well, um, it's interesting to note that I actually studied some kinesiology in 2003 and didn't realise when I was doing uh, an esoteric aromatherapy course. But years later, we couldn't fall pregnant. We were struggling to fall pregnant and I went to a kinesiologist. I had no idea what he was doing and we clearly fell pregnant and then a few years later I wanted to study natural therapies and every time I googled natural therapies kinesiology kept popping up so I rang the lady and she just happened to be not far from me she said oh there's an info night tonight and I thought oh well the universe is definitely pushing me in this direction and I have to admit from the first class I just fell in love it was a really good mixture for me of the the physical science as well as you know the spiritual and and a bit of the woo-woo and it's helped me become embrace my woo-woo-ness is that a word woo-woo-ness more <laughs> because of what is the word now <laughs> i make up words all the time um, yeah so it's a sort of i guess the universe directed me there and um have you always had a passion for um natural therapy and spiritual stuff well, you must have the books that you read the book that you said that you you like to read <laughs> Well, it's funny. I still remember buying my first bottle of lavender oil from the chemist, and I remember what chemist it was when I was 13 because I had a headache and I had read somewhere, and don't ask me where because back then there wasn't any Google, so there was no internet back then. Somehow um, I came across the fact that lavender helped headaches and went and bought my first bottle, and then a few years later, 
crystals came in. I was in love with amethyst and rose quartz. And somehow it just evolved from there. And I didn't have any influence from my family. So I'm not quite, I honestly can't remember how I first came across it. But once it crossed my path, that was it. I was just diving straight into the natural therapies. So when you say your family doesn't have it, so you didn't grow up with, with natural therapies? No, mum's a nurse. Uh, Dad's a bricklayer. And there was no one around me that was into natural therapies. And then there's you. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> then there's me. So do you have any family? Sorry? Do you have any brothers or sisters? Yes. I have two brothers, two younger brothers. So I was the eldest. And they're both Ricky's builders and they work with Dad or they've got their own building company. So I'm sort of the, I used to say the black sheep or the white sheep or the purple sheep when my, my hair's purple. I'm the odd one out. Oh, no, 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 no. I like to say we're not the black sheep. It's not the odd one out, especially with in the work that we do and everything. We are the actual leaders to for them to follow. <laughs> so, you know, the, 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 the song about the black sheep that wasn't about the white sheep. It was all about the black sheep. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm happy to be different. I'm, I think that was that's a big part of growing up, isn't it, and learning. And when I say growing up, you can still be a child in adulthood. Growing up is learning about being who you're meant to be and just owning it. So now that you've gone through burnout and you're just talking about child, so that's just giving me something else to, to hone in on, um, how do you connect with your inner child? After, where did the inner child go or have when you're in burnout or has she come out now or did she, well, has she never been there? Or um, I reconnected. It would have been meditation there was a, a powerful meditation I did a few years ago that helped me reconnect with her. And it's writing, creative writing helps me really connect with her and just allow her to have a voice. Yeah, amazing. So, yeah, yeah, I've got a fairy garden in my clinic. Like I, I just love, I love childhood. <laughs> well, you know, if we, if we don't bring it, we're, we're actually all children. We just and 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 then I say all children are adults because they're just souls in a small body. So they absolutely and, are. And if we can, when we connect with with our little selves, and we can heal our little selves, we can then create um, a much um, better world for everybody um, to 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 live in. And that. So with your journey through healing this, what changes or what did it? How did that family dynamics change once you realised you were in burnout and you started to heal? You mean my husband and my children? Yes. Um, so how did, the, I guess it meant the dynamics didn't change too much. It just meant I was around a lot more. So now I'm happy to do the washing or I'm happy. Today I actually ironed all my husband's shirts and it's not because I felt like I had to do it. It wasn't the homemaker or the duty. It was... I've got some time, I'm cooking dinner, I'm happy to do the, you know, the ironing shirt. So I guess it's it's made me happier to just serve the family when I, when I feel like it, but there's no obligation to do it because I get as much help as I need in the house. It's not like everything's expected on me, but it's that balance now of actually enjoying. I actually enjoy doing things around the house, you know, for the, for the family. So how would you um, term, it's probably not the right word, but happiness, because you can call empowered happiness. So how do you define empowered? Like people, that's your name of your business and there's going to people out there go, well, what is empowered happiness? What does empowered happiness mean to you? It means that there's a sense of joy within you 
and you have the power to know how to empower yourself to find it. So it sits inside. Happiness is not out there. Happiness is within ourselves. And empowered happiness is knowing how to do that for yourself, finding those things that bring you joy, noticing when you're not in that state. And that's okay because we need to honour all, all emotions. We're not always happy, happy, joy, joy. But it's knowing and honouring those that flow of life and the flow of emotions and then having the empowerment, having the tools to know how to bring you back to that centred happiness, that joy. So if there was one tip that you could um, give the viewers, what would that be? I think the biggest thing is to listen to yourself honestly. I think a lot of people don't listen to themselves. They don't hear what their heart's telling them to do, whether it's having an early night. It doesn't have to be a big life change. It could be go have a bath, go for a massage, have an early night, sit and watch, binge watch something on Netflix. It's listening to your heart, listening to your inner self. So, yeah, like for you, you got to the point where you left the job, um, but is there any little tiny steps that you could, until people could do that and create that that change when they discovered they start getting into burnout that they could that they could put in place or steps? In terms of changing careers or changing jobs? Or just, just managing their, their burnout, their stress before they... So, would... I think, again, it's listening to their body... Um, asking your boss for reduced hours if you need them, taking a mental health day. Most of us have sick leave. If you need it, use it, but use it to sit on the couch and recharge yourself. It's it's monitoring it slowly, having that bath. Make sure every week you do something for yourself at least once a week. And, and coming back to the mental health issue, there's such a stigma around it that we're not actually, there's so many people that aren't, um, they don't feel that they can ring up without being judged. I need a mental health day. So then just, just lie and say I've got a headache. <laughs> <laughs> I've got gastro. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not one that advocates lying, but so I have said to clients, if you can't be honest, then a little white lie to get you out of something for your own mental health is okay. Hmm. Awesome. So, um, did you do you find that a lot of people when they when they're burnout and that, that they they turn to alcohol or drugs or yeah, they, I think alcohol is a great one to sort of relax the body and, and take the edge off. Drugs, absolutely. I've got quite a few clients that are, are that way that are using that as a coping mechanism. So, yeah, I would say that alcohol, drugs, there are other addictions. I'm just trying to think, um, you know, there can be people that are addicted to TV shows but in excess. I think anything in excess can be an addiction. Exercise in excess can be an addiction and bad for us as well. So there are lots of different things that we can do when we're burnt out if we're not dealing with it, we can go down a path that's also not good for us. Yeah, and it's um, it's it's managing that. I know for me, there, I, um, I probably would have drank a little bit too much vino, <laughs> and then it was just like, mm, this has got to stop. And yeah, so that's where I, that was. That's why I asked you because it was a bit of a sign for me when I was um, going through some other stuff and and trying to build the business and burnt out and relaxing and that. And then it was just like, I oh, know this has got to. This is 